Curiosity on Dublin City FM. We're here, we're queer, get into it. I'm James O'Hagan and this is Curiosity, proudly presented by LGBT Ireland, the National LGBT Support Service. Whatever's on your mind, LGBT Ireland's helpline volunteers are here to listen seven days a week on 1800 929 539. We've got a jam-packed show today. First up, Podrick and I are here to catch you up on some of the most significant LGBTQI plus stories in our Rainbow Roundup. Ryan Gillamond, lead singer of Canadian indie rock band Mother Mother, known for their daring lyrics, dynamic live performance and androgynous tone which has strongly resonated with the queer community joins us to chat about their upcoming tour and new album Grief Chapter LGBT Ireland Policy and Research Manager Podrick Rice is here to tell us about a newly launched report which reviewed the progress made since the launch of the National LGBTI Plus Inclusion Strategy in 2019 and provides key recommendations for what a new LGBTI Plus strategy might include and trans royalty Rebecca de Halavant pops by to tell us about her new virgin media show Second Chances where people who have experienced hardship are given a second chance airing on Sundays on Virgin Media 1 but before we get to any of that he's the traitor to my faithful it's Podrick Wilson McCarthy how are you? I'm great babe how are you? <laughs> how are you handling the cold? Uh, not really well but can I just say something mm-hmm. I love your outfit oh here look at us <laughs> to myself cosy never mind Beyonce <laughs> I know we're what's cosy. going on I walked into the office and it was like do you know that meme where it's like the Spider-Man like pointing at each other it's just me and James in our and jumpers. Tell me it's I cold. know. And then, sure, didn't Megan pop her head on? She was yeah. also in the, the, the whole, came out. This is it. The whole lot of us in there in our yeah. iron sweaters. Yeah. We're, we're serving Irish. We're sliving for Irish success after AO a debris uh, this weekend. <laughs> exactly. We'll be getting to that in a minute. But I'm not really coping with the well with the cold too well. Do you know what? I serve, I, I mean, I, I suffer so much from a fear. <laughs> you serve. I serve so much. No, but like, I fear so much that we are never going to have cold wa- cold weather again because of climate Global change warming. that it's kind of nice to wake up yeah. and see like your breath and see yeah. the, like the, the, the frost on the ground. It just reminds me that actually maybe we're not in the terminal decline just yet. Yeah, I know what we you mean. We might get another couple of years. Yeah, well, hopefully, ho- hopefully. <laughs> now, I do love the crisp mornings. I won't lie. And I, I once it's not raining, I don't care. Uh, but dare I say, dare I say, when I was on the way to work this morning, there was a bit of a stretch. There's a grand stretch in the morning. A stretch in the morning. And do, do you know what? That's closely followed by a grand stretch in the evening. I know. Which, I know. Honestly, and I cannot wait. <laughs> honestly, get me a, a margarita and get me out in, before, in the sun. Before too long, it'll be great drying out. Great drying <laughs> I, know, I cannot wait. Absolutely. I cannot wait. No, I have to say, it is great to see things lightening up a little bit yeah. because, you know, the, the I enjoy the dark evenings when you're coming into Christmas because it has that yeah. real build-up. Cozy and stuff. But the second you get into January, I know I'm finished with this. Exactly like you said. I'm like, get me onto a beach somewhere. I need a margarita. Yeah. I need to be wearing shorts that are far too short. And I agree like with you. Very indiscreet and inelegant. Yeah, crop top season, and, season yeah, is pending. Exactly. That's all um, I want. That's so true because the other day I was looking in my room and uh, I was like, I need to just clear some space here so I was like you know what I'll do uh, it's about time now that I put away my summer wardrobe but then I was like mm, actually <laughs> she's around the corner actually, she's only around the corner it would just be wasting time so <laughs> I'll keep these little hot pants here and are my crop top <laughs> <laughs> but anyway look we have a, a, a treasure trove of stories to talk about we this do. week so let's get we into do. it we have loads of stories and I, I'm first of all like I, I mean who isn't talking about the Emmys this week 
reward, uh, award season is in full swing, James. Absolutely. I, this is the thing is like what I, this particular Emmys one, this is like the 2022-2023 season because mm. it was delayed last year because of the uh, the writers. Yeah, yeah. So I got really confused because I was like, what is Jennifer Coolidge I doing know. there again? I know. <laughs> it is confusing actually, especially when there's other like similar awards ceremonies going on and they're, they're already like, I think Paul Meskel was... Um, nominated for a BAFTA during the week and stuff mm-hmm. and I was like oh, uh, like he, that movie hasn't even come out yet you know what I mean so <laughs> it is a bit confusing but yeah look look, it, it was a great it was full glam love watching it love seeing what's been going on and there was a big hype around it too because as you said it's been postponed for so long a very queer year actually loads of queer winners this year um, and I'm going to highlight just some of the I suppose the most notable mm-hmm. ones but like I could spend the hour talking about them uh, our Elton Oh, EGOT babe. Yeah, has got his EGOT. <laughs> he's finally an EGOT. Kind of can't believe that he's not one already, which means now that he has now won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. Don't ask only, me for what. Only 19 other people have, have that won that, all? I think it is. It's like a tiny number of people that are in that, uh, in that, in oh that sort of circle. Oh my God, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, so good, good for is. him. Like, it's about time. And like, I mean, I mean, time is ticking for him. Like. Well, this is, because he won, <laughs> he won the Emmy, wasn't it, for a televised, like a, like a televised um, last concert, like his like farewell yeah. to Dodger Stadium exactly. or whatever it is. Exactly. So it really is kind of a crowning achievement for his whole career. It was his last chance, wasn't it? This his last chance. It was his last chance. Look, if he didn't do it now, he never I, would. I know, I've got to start asking myself, if I don't get to get a move on, am I ever going to get an EGOT? <laughs> okay. All right, look, baby steps now. You know? Focus yeah. on the IFTAs yeah. first. We're trying to get to the IFTAs <laughs> and, and then we'll see. Okay. Uh, other than that, of course, RuPaul, eighth consecutive Emmy for RuPaul. Amazing. And most uh, most winners by a person of colour of all time. Amazing. Which is which absolutely is fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. RuPaul also spent some time um, or dedicated his, his award speech to um, basically taking aim at anti-drag rhetoric which is obviously really prevalent in the US and in the UK now as well so he got up spoke and spoke really well actually and I think that resonated quite well Around the the drag race takeover of the night I have to say I don't know if you saw any of the memes or any stuff of the Green Goblin and the the, the red carpet Princess Poppy was it? Yeah Princess Poppy unretired from drag for one night only she had given it up, hadn't she? And then she, she came had. back as a goblin. And I have to say, like, it was so funny because it was watching all of these news outlets that would never be near a drag queen or a drag performer. Like, they were all reporting yeah. on the Green Goblin. Yeah. The, and it was just so funny, the, yeah. like, the crack people were having with them. I love it. Like, it's so funny, like. Uh, and completely unrecognisable as well, which is obviously brilliant. Yeah. Um, Ayo Adebri. I can never say her name. I, this story, this whole story is... Bonkers. Bonkers. So she was a, at the premiere, if I'm right, at the premiere of Bottoms, a movie that she was in late last year. She was interviewed on the red carpet and was kind of like, it was around the time that uh, that the, the Banshees of Inisherin was was yeah. in the press, or whatever. Yeah, and she exactly. she said to um, a she said to a um, a person on the red carpet that she had like just as a throwaway joke. She said that she had played Jenny the donkey in the Banshees of Inisherin and actually said, "I lived in Ireland for about four months." and got really into character. I was in all fours for four months and it was really painful and beautiful as well. (laughs) And it's like, the fact that then like obviously Irish people love being the centre of attention so we picked that up and we We ran with it she's become an Irish sweetheart Irish sweetheart she's the people's (laughs) princess of Ireland and she again on the red carpet paid tribute to Ireland I think we have a clip we'll have a listen shout out to my people shout out to Derry shout out to Cork shout out to Killarney shout out to Dublin 
I'm absolutely I'm just so obsessed that like she almost forgot Dublin there at the end I'm disgusted but actually in her <laughs> Cork. in her in her uh, acceptance speech for the bear she said to everybody in Boston Barbados Nigeria Ireland in many ways thank you and yeah. I'm like I love that she is just absolutely yeah. ringing totally <laughs> and I, I'm kind of like what is she looking at like because I, I don't know what her experience was because anyone else is here is getting out here but anyway look it's lovely it's lovely to see Ireland being promoted on the world no, stage and also I think that plays really well into like what Irish humour is as well it's that Without like real doubt. off the wall kind yeah. of like absolutely random stuff and absolutely. I think you know kind of I, she is going to get a queen's welcome Without when doubt. she arrives Without here a doubt. and then of course from one queen to another Jennifer Coolidge mother she won best supporting actress in a drama for her role in White Lotus um, obviously she was adopted by the gays the gays ran with her character oh absolutely um, and in her speech she paid tribute as well but this time she paid tribute to a very underrepresented uh, group the evil gays here's a clip I want to thank all the evil gays you know <laughs> like just brilliant talk about playing to the audience like absolutely but I do think that like you know Jennifer Coolidge her entire kind of career in one way has been sort of like I, I think that Mike White obviously uh, the, the the main director and producer behind the, the, the White Lotus like really saw her potential and um, was able to kind of like bring her back give her this role she that just allowed it. her really show us exactly yeah. who she is so that yeah. she wasn't just Diffler's mom she yeah. was so much more exactly because she always ha- was a side character wasn't she yeah. Yeah. Really, like even in, in uh, like like you said, Stifler's mom, and also in Legally Blonde. So like to see her come into her own at this age, and absolutely, yeah. like just knock it out of the park. Like everyone's just 100%. so obsessed with her. I've gone to many drag brunches where they're like, you know, they're doing um, reenactments of scenes from it. There's people doing impersonations of her. Like she deserves the earth, and she definitely deserves that. These gays are trying to murder they're me. Trying to murder Honestly, me. Exactly. We are murder with kisses and I, love. I know. Totally. <laughs> We're going to stay in the U. Uh, in the US now for our next story right Uh, the Club Q shooter their name is Anderson Lee Aldrich has now been charged with and is expected to plead guilty to 50 federal charges now for anyone who isn't familiar or if you don't recall um, they opened fire at an LGBTQ bar in Colorado in November in November 2022 this was such a tragic and I mean I think that like a lot of us have say the Pulse nightclub as well as something yeah. that's seared into kind of our, our sort of collective awareness as queer people as this rhetoric, rhetoric ramps up this anti kind of LGBT yeah. rhetoric ramps up that this is the kind of thing that can happen because there are people out there who will take matters into their own hands who will be empowered by that kind of incredibly um, violent rhetoric that takes place online and will will go and you see this happening to other minority communities you've seen like a, a, attacks on, on, on mosques or yeah. on on churches in America that would be specifically for the black community or on, on synagogues for the Jewish community and it's just another play, another way in which the kind of the, the violent rhetoric on social media can really spill over into totally. actual life and can have abs- hugely devastating um, consequences because there was a number of people were, were killed in, yeah, in that, there in was, that I think there was five killed 19 seriously injured but there's, there's um, the rest of them were you know Injured, but I mean, also just the the sense of safety that you, the sense of safety that you would have in going into a queer space. But this is the thing, you know, like this is the thing, and you're always going to question, and I even find like you know, not so much here any like at all, but you know, when you're away, there's always this air of kind of like what if, you know, especially when you're somewhere like the states and stuff like that, you know, so much violence. Back home, last week actually we spoke not about not to be outdone by the yeah, French president. Not to be not to be outdone by the French again. <laughs> but we have our own gay minister again. 
Another yeah. gay for us. Absolutely. Yeah, Jack Cork, Chambers. Cork lost the Chambers bar last week and Jack Chambers <laughs> said, hold my drink. Yeah, keep the name going. Well, I don't even know what he's the minister for. Is he a minister? M- minister for living. Minister yeah. for minister, minister for, for martinis. Serving. Minister for absolutely serving. We, like, do you know what? If straight people made these jokes, they would be off the air. Absolutely. And we're going to take it and we're going to run with it. But interesting there, that means, I think I saw during the week that that means that 2.5% of the entire doll oh, wow. is, is now made up of LGBT. LGBTQI plus people, which all, is great. All all uh, queer men, so there could be you know more better representation yeah, of trans and binary people. I was going to say of, we of could of definitely women. do it more, but I'd say that in in comparison to others around the yeah, world, like that uh, must be a huge. No, we're amount. we're we're doing very good, and that also means that seventy five percent of Dublin West TDs are are now uh, are now gay men. <laughs> we all, have it's Jack all, Chambers, yeah. Leo Riker, and Roger Gorman. All I can't even remember the all, name of the other all, person. All within my constituency, <laughs> might I add. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so congratulations to uh, Minister Jack Chambers. We'll see you in the George. We will indeed, but we won't be filming. We learned <laughs> no, last we year, won't. Not no permitted. filming. No filming. <laughs> um, th- well, that's all the time we have left for the news. We will be right back after uh, after a quick song with uh, Ryan Gillamont from Mother Mother. But first, this is Hayloft by Mother Mother on Curiosity. <laughs> We're joined today by Ryan Gillamond of Mother Mother, a Canadian indie rock band whose androgynous vocals and introspective lyrics took hold of younger queer audiences on TikTok during the pandemic. They are going to be playing two live shows coming up in the Olympia and have a brand new album to talk about. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today on Curiosity. It is wonderful to, to get a chance to speak to you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's it's an honor to be here. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, so I suppose first and foremost, and you're probably at this stage a number of years out from it. Uh, uh, potentially, just you've answered this question a lot of different times and a lot of different ways. But how has this sort of un- unexpected wave of kind of worldwide worldwide success impacted the band's perspective on on its music and its connection with its fans? Sort of like after the sort of real moment during the pandemic, where a new audience found the music and started connecting to it on a very personal and in a very personal level. I think, um, I mean, it's just such a, it feels like a miracle after being in the industry for so many years and eking by somewhat um, to finally find a widespread and vast community that gets it and celebrates it. Um, I think our, our issue um, throughout the years was feeling misunderstood mm-hmm or not fully embraced by um, the, the industry or the, the masses, um, being that our music was a bit strange and a bit unconventional, and yet we always believed in it, and we we're always a little flummoxed by um, it not really connecting, mm-hmm. um, because we, you know, we thought it was great, it was, we put, put our heart and soul into it, and we felt it was unique, but it just never really found its place in the world until the pandemic and um, greeting this new community. So it was like a homecoming that we had been craving for uh, 15 years. That's brilliant. Ryan, Mother Mother has a huge appeal to queer people. Why do you think, or what do you think it is about your music that speaks to the queer community? And, and is that intentional when, when you're writing your music? Um, well, I think the, the music that is most uh, potently speaking to this community 
is the earlier stuff. And, you know, I kind of have to go a bit into a time machine and put myself in the skin <laughs> yeah. of my 19, 20, 21 year old self writing these songs. And, you know, to be honest, they were just pouring out without any premeditation, without any idea of what they're supposed to be about or who they're supposed to be for. But, you know, as a young person who felt like I didn't fit in or connect necessarily with the uh, stark categories of how to be an adult, how to be a man, how to be a human in the world. I think all of that angst funneled its way into these songs um, subconsciously. And it was a very prominent theme, alienation, isolation, frustration, and also just, just this yearning for finding peace, finding um, comfort, mm -hmm. finding a home in yourself. Um, that was really uh, loud in the music, in the lyrics. So I, I can understand why it appeals to the queer community. Um, and, you know, it's just an honor that it does. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, really, it's a really powerful, unexpected shift. Good. Um, over the last three years that we have welcomed and have been quite humbled by. It's it's interesting, I suppose, to hear you describe kind of how this was pouring out of you with all of those kind of concerns about kind of fitting in and about kind of finding your own identity. Because certainly, as I as I mentioned before, I spent a year living in Vancouver just after uh, just after college in two thousand and eight, and it was just like by chance I happened to pick up the Oh My Heart album and played it on my CD Walkman as I was you know meandering around uh, the the town at that time. And it is those exact kind of themes that really spoke to me in that way. I, I really started like it was I suppose a journey I was on and myself I was kind of I was out but kind of still trying to discover what that meant to be an out person in a world and so when I saw this spike kind of happen you know as kind of a younger queerer audience started finding your music I was sort of like really not surprised but also really really happy because I was like this is fantastic that sort of I suppose these music with these themes has kind of connected so um so well and I do think that if you're going to I suppose experience uh, the music of Mother Mother live is probably the best way uh, to to do it and you are here in Dublin uh, Dublin's Olympia Theatre for two dates uh, last um last year and having been at your your, your show last year in Dublin, there's a real reciprocal kind of exuberant energy that is between the band and the crowd. And it was really something to see as a sort of a, a, a tired 40-something millennial bear standing at the background of all these twinks. I was like, oh my God, this is too much energy, so much energy. So as a band that's been touring consistently for nearly 15 years, pre-2015, how has the experience of touring changed post-pandemic and post this sort of uh, virality of uh, TikTok? Um, I would say it's transformed um, more than it's changed. It's just a whole new sport. It's a whole new kettlefish, as they say. And we are loving it. Um, and the shift is this passion, this um, vibrancy, this electricity that you speak of. And I think it has so much to do with I think both the demographic of this community and just uh, who this community is and how much music means to people who are looking for a boon in, in a big bad world that wants to drown them. And um, I think all of that tra translates to a really, really powerful live experience. Um, 
as far as I can tell. I think that, that yeah, that would be my my theory. It, and how do you approach putting together kind of a a playlist that kind of would I suppose be able to reference that sort of you know the the earlier stuff which is really kind of the which is I suppose which has brought some of the newer following to it plus you know you have like a, a whole swathe of albums that you can choose really fantastic songs from so how do you approach putting together the set list I guess to keep that energy going and to to keep everyone in it together yeah it's a, it's a really um it's a really serious riddle uh writing a set list when you have nine albums worth of material because you can you want to honor the 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 legacy as a whole. You want to honor these people and the music that they've recently discovered, even though it's very old to you. So we do play a lot of the old stuff, um, and you know we're on a new album cycle. So mm-hmm. you want to tip your hat to this new body of work that you just poured your heart into. So you must include that. And then beyond that, you have to kind of forget about the hits and the new album and just ask yourself what constitutes a pleasing architecture over 90 minutes in terms of the story because any good story it begins with an enthralling entrance it it pulls you in and then any good story has a departure point where things get tense things get uncertain things get a little esoteric and then, of course, the finale brings it all back home. So we really do try to create this uh, contour and we'll use any song necessary, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really even matter if it's old or new. It just needs to be the right song yeah. in order yeah, to course. articulate the yeah. story. Right. You have a new album, Grief Chapter, and it's out on the 16th of February. The album uses themes of death and grief, but the message of the album is more about living life to the max and being fully present. What has the writing process for Grief Chapter been like for you? It was a good writing process. Um, I wrote a lot on the road while I was inspired by these great shows with this new fandom, feeling alive and inspired and, you know, turning on the mics and trying to be quiet, but also, (laughs) you know, writing these songs in various cities in Europe. Um, yeah, I think I was just really charged and really, uh, feeling close to the muse and also just, I think, contemplating how rich life can be, Mm -hmm. which I think also, uh, naturally begets the topic of death. Yeah. A lot of those inner dialogues were taking place, which I think spilled into the music, which created this sort of concept album around death and grief and whatnot. It's a, it's a really interesting concept within my work beyond this. I, I work a lot within kind of the elder part of the, the, the queer community. And I've done a lot of week work around kind of understanding what, 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 what a good death looks like and kind of like how that kind of really can transpire into like, you know, living a good life, living a good death and sort of like having that all be part of your, your experience. Uh, so I think it's such a, it's such a, interesting place that a lot of people feel very confronted by um but so we have we have sadly run out of time um i i would love to to get in more about the to talk to you more about the new album but you guys are here for two dates and i really would say that anyone listening um if you have if you have nothing to do on the 22nd and 23rd of february in come and see mother mother at the olympia i think there's only tickets left for the saturday night uh, but you guys are absolutely fantastic love. thank you so much for joining us today do you want to tell people where they can find out more about your music and and find out uh, more about what you're doing over the next couple of months 
For sure, yeah. I mean, we're in all the usual spots, TikTok, Instagram, X. Um, we have a website, mothermothersite.com. Um, you know, internet. Mother, yeah, mother, yeah Google, go. Google it. Yeah, Google it, people. You'll find them. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ryan. Earlier this week, LGBT Ireland launched a report outlining the progress made so far from the National LGBTI Plus Inclusion Strategy. Overall, it came out with a grade of C plus with a lot achieved, but much more remaining to do. Here to tell us a bit more about it is Podrick Rice, Policy and Research Manager from LGBT Ireland. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us about this. Thanks for having me. Um, first off, it would be interesting to like, so what was the national, for many people who may not be aware that we have a national LGBTI plus added strategy, what was it, where did it come from and what did it hope to achieve? Yeah, so taking back to 2018, uh, the government decided that they were going to do this cross-departmental, across all of government strategy um, on LGBTI lives. So it was going to be this kind of plan that had, they were aiming for 26 different outcomes, 108 actions spanning health, education, justice, policing uh, and the whole the whole lot. Um, and I think their 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 goal was to improve lives, improve outcomes, and and make Ireland a better place mm. for LGBTI people. Um, and they've done this in other areas. So there's like there's a national disability strategy. Um, there's national traveller strategies. There, there there are these kind of national strategies. But this was the first time um, they did the LGBTI one that included everybody. There had previously been a youth strategy, but this was the first kind of adult version of that. Mm. Um, and it was launched in 2019. It was meant to initially run for just two years, mm-hmm. but then came the pandemic and yeah, we all know what happened uh, and that got extended out um, until 2023 so we've just come to the end of that strategy now um, Can I just ask the last time you were in you spoke to us about the rainbow the rainbow flag no the rainbow map wasn't it and like is, is this is this does this link into that like is that the reason that we're looking at we're looking at a strategy and like or, like, or why was the report made yeah, so I think it was one of the government commitments that they decided that this was a good thing to do. So yeah. so the, the the rainbow map we talked about ranks all of the countries in Europe yeah. and Ireland is ranked 16th on that. And it, will this help hopefully to, in a way, to, to, to bring us up the up the rank? Yeah, so so included in this plan was a number of the actions that, that would have uh, put us up those rankings. Okay. Un- unfortunately, some of the ones that would have made mm-hmm. the biggest difference haven't okay, been right, implemented. Okay. So um, within this report, there was a call for hate crime legislation, for example, Um We've seen a start on that, but that hasn't been fully progressed and hasn't been passed by the Iraqis. Yeah. If that had been done and fully completed, we would have moved up the rankings. Okay. Similarly, mm-hmm. in the whole area of, of surrogacy and assisted human reproduction, again, we're still, legislation is slow. So it was committed to in the strategy, but not completed. And, and that's kind of why we decided to do this report, to look through all of the 108 actions yeah. and decide what was done, yeah. what was done well, what wasn't done. Yeah. And then we graded them. I felt like a, a secondary school teacher <laughs> yeah. giving them like A's to F's on yeah, their yeah. different I, actions. Yeah. That, that's actually the next thing that I, I wanted to ask about. First of all, I, you talk about a report that was from to, from 2019 to 2023 and like the 2023 imagined in 2019 I'm sure is very different from the one that we're actually living in. But it'd be interesting to us how did you assess each of the actions as you were kind of like as you were going through that line by line to figure out kind of where we were and making sure that you, you were hearing all yeah. the voices that you needed to hear. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was a mammoth task. Um, so our final report stretches to 30,000 words. So it's kind of like doing a thesis. Um, yeah. So it was a huge undertaking. So um, I had great help from an intern who worked with us last summer, um, James Morrison. He was a master's student at the University of Oxford. He came, he worked with us for a couple of months and he did Trojan work. 
So what we did was we started um, looking at this, the strategy at the very start, what the government promised, what they said they would do. And as it went on, the, the government kept their own kind of tracking. They kind of had a traffic light system where they had a green, um, red, orange system of where things were progressing, yeah, where okay. things moving. So so we started by looking at that and seeing how accurate that was. We then put in loads of parliamentary questions. We read newspaper articles. We looked at research reports um, to try to get as much information as we could on all these actions. And, and kind of what we wanted to do was give a really honest assessment, saying like the government promised they would do this action. What was done? Mm. What could we done better? Um so there were areas where we didn't have all the information. We had knowledge gaps. So we started by talking to the team in LGBT Ireland. There's different people on the team who work in different areas, who have different expertise, and they all put their input in. And then, then from there, we went out to other organisations. So we met with Belong To, we met with Tenny, we met with Inter- um, Intersex Ireland and other groups um, to ask them, like, what what were the gaps? What were they seeing? Um, and then put all of that in. Um, and then from there, we went to the government departments who were responsible. So the different government departments have responsibility in different areas. Um, and we gave them a draft of, of our assessment and we asked their feedback. So in some areas, they came back to say, actually, no, we've done a little bit more here mm. or actually the figures are slightly higher here than what was reported in the media or whatever. Um, and so then we made changes based on their feedback Um and then we compiled the final so it's report. it's incredibly collaborative. Yeah. Like incredibly collaborative and, and I suppose gives a real picture based on like everyone having an opportunity to input to it, which is really, uh, really important and really impressive and really kind of adds to the weight of the document thing because you can kind of look at it and know that this is something that has got rigour attached to it. Yeah, absolutely. And we did kind of two phases of that to the departments. We, we gave them a draft copy and then we made the changes and then we sent them out them again okay, to tell them what we did. Yeah. Uh, and we had good help um, from Dr. Uh, Chris Noon from the University of Galway who's on the board of NXF um, and he's an academic uh, kind of specialised in research and stuff like this uh, and he was able to give us guide us and give us some uh, expertise as well just to make sure that like yeah it was rigorous and that yeah. we were doing everything right and yeah, that sure. actually we when we publish this we can send over it and say this is a really honest verdict of where things are at and, and what needs to change. In, in terms of where things are at now from your findings and, and from all the, the Trojan mammoth work that you've done what are the positives what are we doing well? Yeah, so I think overall it's worth saying we graded the government a C plus overall of, of the overall strategy. Okay. So it's like we kind of note like progress has been made, but there still is yeah. a renewed effort yeah, in some areas. Passed, so like, yeah, yeah, you passed, but you know you could have done better. <laughs> you could have pulled up your socks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's definitely are some areas, and, and uh, we touched on some of those areas where 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 things need to, uh, to be improved. Like there's there there things like mental health is still mm-hmm. a real concern for a lot of people in the community and we yeah. need to do more work on I that I think area. across all areas of society. Really. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there's definitely like focused actions there and then in particular the outcomes around trans, um, non-binary and intersex, a lot of what was committed to wasn't done. So that's where the government got Fs from us. Okay. Um, trans healthcare, research into intersex um, people. So the whole area there where, where things are actually getting worse and not better and that's yeah, where we were real concern yeah. um, and, and what we're saying to government today is that in the next strategy this has to be a focus yeah. and then the other one is is where people what we call like the intersections so where somebody may be a person with a disability but it might also be LGBT or somebody okay. might be a traveller or also be LGBT okay. and when you're part of two marginalised communities that has kind of a double weight to it and uh, we need to look at that and see, like, how do we improve outcomes mm. for for people um, at the intersections of different communities? Because sometimes we kind of box people into different yeah. categories, and if you're in two different boxes, 
sometimes the the outcome is yeah. <laughs> that that sort of layered I- invisibility can be very challenging and and especially because there there has been and this came up at the launch event er- earlier in the week about sort of how LGBTI issues can't be looked at as being distinct from other social issues and whether that's relating to kind of people with intersectional issues or like around housing or or, or these these other issues so what were the recommendations that came out of the, the this report and what are you hoping to see included in the 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 next the next strategy yeah so our, our number one recommendation is that we want the government to do a new version of this strategy. We want a second version and we want that to start this year. Um, we're calling for that to, to start in 2024, run for five yeah. years, uh, but crucially do a midpoint review. So halfway through, look at how things are going instead of in this version, leaving it to the NGOs at the very end to say, how did you do? We're asking the government do an assessment halfway yeah, through. Perfection. and Yeah, and yeah. have an assessment on that. Um, we're also looking to in, in particular for this to take kind of whole life approach so not just uh, looking at kind of adults that look at LGBT youth as well because there was a previous youth strategy and that has now ended but we think the next strategy should include youth adult and older people and that includes this kind of life cycle approach and looking at people across the generations and in particular I think older people can be invisible mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of work to do in that area and we want to see a focus on that as well as an important focus mm-hmm. on, on on youth Um so the other key piece we want to see is, is look internationally, look at what other countries are doing. And we talked about Malta and Iceland and look to see what's in countries that are doing this really well, who are at the top of that league. How can we copy them? We, we don't yeah. need to reinvent the <laughs> yeah, wheel no, here. Totally not. Um, we can just take their homework and, and introduce <laughs> yeah. those laws and, and do all, all that. For it. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're telling the government, like, we know yeah. what's working well in other countries and we want you to do that here. Yeah. And that's one of our key recommendations as well. And we're 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 coming to the end now. So just I suppose for people who may want to go and have a read of the the report or find out more about the work that we're doing to support the the LGBT is doing to support the the queer community, where can they go to find a copy of the report and find out more about that? Yeah, so there's two versions of the report. There's a short version and there's a long version. So depending <laughs> how interested you are in these things, you can read the one, whatever you're um, into. So they're both available um, on the LGBT website. So lgbt.ie forward slash publications. You should find both there. Um, Brilliant. That is fantastic. And indeed, all the information about what LGBT Ireland is doing to work among some of the more marginalised people within our community is also available on that website. Thanks so much, Podrick, for for coming in and chatting to us today. It's great to talk to you about this. Thanks very much. Really important. Uh, We will be right back in a moment with Rebecca de Halavant. But first, here is the gossip with Move in the Right Direction on Curiosity. Joining us now is Rebecca de Halavant, the very definition of a trailblazer. In addition to being an author, celebrity hairstylist and holding the unique honour of being the first person in Ireland to have an Irish passport in the reassigned gender, Rebecca is an activist passionate about helping people reach their full potential and her brand new TV show, Rebecca's Second Chances, where she works with people from across Ireland to give them a second chance at life, premiered on Virgin Media earlier this month. Thank you so much for joining us, Rebecca. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Rebecca, it's lovely to speak to you. I just wanted to just touch off Rebecca's Second Chances. It's it's on, on Sunday nights on Virgin Media. Um it must like it's a hugely personal show for you. Like you're very yeah. open about the adversity that you've faced in the past and I know that you've you've spoken in depth before about, about you know, times where you felt like you were hitting rock bottom. How important um how important was it for you to 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 share your story on the show? Um, it's a it's a great question, and thank you for asking it. And I suppose it was, you know, I got into recovery like from alcohol and drugs nineteen years ago, and I had 
this person that kind of helped me through my recovery at the start and kind of sponsored me and I did the steps and stuff like that. And then you look at the stuff that you've done yourself and you can kind of feel a bit of shame around stuff that mm-hmm. you've done. Certainly. And this woman that kind of brought me through stuff, like like when I shared something, she equally shared something so that there was a balance. And I felt oh. with this show, I, I mean, over the years, <clears throat> I've done a lot of television around being, um, well, openly, definitely the first trans woman um, in Ireland. Yeah. You know, some people debate that on me, <laughs> but I know myself, like, I mean, when I was transitioning, I'm, I'm not saying that somebody didn't transition before me, but I was, certainly was the first and visible. visible, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah, and, you know, I mean, I I, I went through hell from it, you know. But um, I, I remember doing loads of kind of interviews and trying to rectify my life, but I was just going on television shows and basically they just had me on because it kind of, um, it, it, yeah, it was shock TV, really. Yeah. So I felt like we're doing second chances that, there are seven different people from different walks of life kind of opening up and telling their story. And nothing, no matter how much you want to tell your story, nothing prepares you for what um, TV does for you. You know, the good, the bad and the ugly mm-hmm, of it yeah. and all of that. So I just felt that, um, and obviously Mind the Gap, um, my director as well, Nicky Larkin, and they all, they all decided, you know, as well, like realised I was really important that I tell my story too, as well as they tell theirs. So it's that it's not just me being a TV presenter yeah. and yeah. dragging all this stuff out of people. That you know, I, totally shared, quite... I, I got vulnerable too. Absolutely. Know? And, and I suppose as well, like sharing your story um, shows the audience that you're totally qualified to be the host of that show. Yeah. Yes. And makes an authenticity as well. I, yeah, and I think what's wonderful about it too, it wasn't even that we didn't try. We did try to get somebody, obviously... Um, with HIV and we did try to get somebody that was trans but um, in fairness they're kind of like were, were kind of things that like a lot of the trans people weren't ready to do yeah, or people yeah, would live with HIV that. but what I kind of love about it too the way it's worked out is that you know being the first trans person to have their own television show that's not tokenism Yeah, you know it's a trans person actually interviewing other people you know it, it puts the it puts our people like our people like front of stage now which I think yes. is great and is needed and yeah, I don't know why it's, it's it's a pity that we have to be so over the moon about it because yeah. it should be a natural thing no, anyway. and I think you're you're right that oftentimes when kind of LGBT themes or, or individuals are brought into a space it is kind of just to kind of look at that aspect and kind of almost do it for the straight and, and, and cisgendered audience whereas in this instance it was you you know that aspect was secondary you were talking about your recovery you were talking about this and then you were really authentically engaging with the people who were were brave enough to, to share their stories with you through yeah. through the show um you you obviously threw you mentioned that there are seven people who sort of will be getting the opportunities for this second help and the professional help that comes along with that and and hopefully kind of like being able to like really get a new uh, a, a new start or not even a new start but kind of a renewed sense of energy and love for themselves yeah. um, can you tell us a bit about some of the people um who, who who've been the show i know that marlon um who would be very well known within the with the gay, with the gay community was in the first episode and opened up an awful lot about his struggles and uh, with 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 alcohol and the success he's had with his sobriety journey. So what what other stories I suppose are are are, are to be uh, to be coming up? Yeah, um, um, well, this coming week there's um, Claire who's um, like kind of she had breast cancer. Do you know what I mean? And now she's in remission, but it was her kind of journey through that and where it took her. 
And then there were things that she always wanted to do, like um, she wanted to go like into the sea with her friends and running. And we did all of that. So um, there's a bit more to the story. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah, no, no, no spoilers, <laughs> but, please. Um, but Claire is absolutely amazing. She's an amazing lady. And then Marwa is um, a refugee um, who came to Ireland when she was 13. She's just turned 20. And she couldn't speak a word of English or anything and was kind of put in Mayo first and then somewhere else. But now they're in Dublin, her, her mother, her her younger sister and younger brother. But none of them could speak a word of English when they came. And now Marwak speaks better English than you or I. <laughs> but she's also in college in Maynooth studying kind of to be a lawyer. Um, and wow. it's just like, you know, it's, 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 it's inspiring. And she kind of had lost out in her kind of like childhood. So she wants to do some other stuff and she was very shy um, and it really helped her come out of her shell and stuff like that and she wanted to go go go-kart racing and stuff like that so we did that with her but her story is remarkable too you know and it's it's you know like even this girl only just turned 20 even when she was like kind of filming with us at first she was just 19 and obviously the filming has gone on for over a year because it takes that length of time Mm -hmm, to help people through as well but like I mean, it's it's amazing. And then um, I I don't know. It's next week or the week after. We have this wonderful girl. She's a makeup artist, but she's from the travelling community, and she gets so much stigma. And uh, um, we kind of worked it out between all of that that uh, uh, tra- like people from the travelling community get as much stigma as trans women. Yeah, yeah, do you know really what I mean? yeah. and it, like there is such a, a vast range of different types of people, isn't there? Really, Rebecca, be, being yeah. being the first trans person to host their own TV show in Ireland is a huge achievement. You must be chuffed to bits with yourself especially with the negativity that the trans community are facing particularly at the moment. What do you hope that people outside of the queer community might learn from watching you presenting the television programme? I'm hoping that that, that they will see hope you know and that they will see you know that that, you know like as I often hear you know, even when I do talks, like people say, there's a lot more to go. But you know what? People also need to. I think we want our allies to stick by us and to mm-hmm. see that, that that it's worth them being allies. Mm-hmm. We also have to like kind of show that things have changed, and I'm I'm I know they have because I was transitioning in the 80s, and it's a completely different story than transitioning today. Yeah, you know, a completely different. Like I wouldn't have lost my career if I was transitioning today you know what I mean yeah, so a lot has changed and I think we have to let people see that okay I do agree yes we still have a way to go but um, I think it's really important to know like I mean who'd have ever thought that they would see a trans person with their own television show in no, Ireland I, I mean we've even we've even beaten the UK to it the UK <laughs> don't even have Good. a trans person you know <laughs> Good. so you know yeah it, so it, it's it, like it's... an yeah I think it's it's amazing. I think that you're right. It's that positive representation, and also like you know, the the trans community is very small, and a lot of people out like in the broader society won't necessarily know or 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 kind of meet a trans person in the same way that say during the marriage equality referendum, everyone knew a gay person or had a gay friend, and it's like yeah. seeing those stories and seeing those people just living their regular lives and being themselves is is, is transformative in people's you know opinions and sort of remove some of that like sort of fog or anxiety that can hang around. So I think it's such yeah. it's such significant 
significant and, and important um, representation for, for people to see. We we have run out of time and I had a whole other bit I wanted to ask you, so hopefully you'll come back on and you'll yeah. talk to us a bit more. more get your, you back on, Rebecca. Your, your other activist work. But so, your, so Second Chances is on uh, Virgin Media Sunday nights at 9pm, I think I'm correct. Yeah. But where can people yeah. go to, I suppose, follow up and see the other work that you're doing and the other activist work that you're um, that, that you're doing at the moment? If they kind of follow me on Instagram, Joyce Rebecca Talender Havland, or Facebook and stuff like that, you know, I always have my stuff up there. Do you know what I mean? And people Brilliant. can message me or whatever. And if I can help, I will. Do you know? And that's what's really important. That's lovely, you know, and Rebecca. I think, it's, yeah, so... Thank you Brilliant. so much. Thanks for, so much for, for joining us. us. And hopefully, it's fantastic. Hopefully we'll chat to you again. Yeah, thank you both Best so of luck much. with it all. And thank you. Happy 24. Same <laughs> to you. Best <laughs> of luck. Bye. 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 Curiosity on Dublin City FM. Another week over. Another week over. Here we are. That was a jam-packed show, I have to say. I know. I'm fl- flat to the mat. Absolutely. I'm Thank- exhausted. hundred percent. Thanks so much to our contributors for coming on this week. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, was. Ryan Gilliman from Mother Mother, Podrick Rice from LGBT Ireland, and Rebecca de Halavant. I mean, really, an all-star lineup. Sorry, that was class. I yeah, know it was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. We're, doing, we're doing well, aren't we? International, aren't we? international Honestly, All-Stars. The rest of mm. Irish radio is qu- qu- quaking, <laughs> quaking in <laughs> quaking their, in their in their boots. <laughs> but look. Time has come for us to say goodbye. Thank you so much. Do remember, of course, that if you need it, the LGBT Ireland helpline is available on 1800-929-539. Whatever you need to talk about, someone will be there to uh, to, to listen, uh, non-judgmental and absolutely confidential. But if you want to just like come and have the crack over on Instagram, Porik, can they do that with you? Absolutely. My handle is podrick underscore WMC. And of course, we've got our dedicated Instagram page at Curiosity Radio. But if I'm not your cup of tea... James might be. James O underscore Hagen over there on Instagram. <laughs> and don't forget, you can also email us on curiosity oh, yeah. at dublincityfm.ie. We'd love to hear from the show. Let us know yeah. what you think. Yeah, do. Please. Pop, pop, pop into my DMs, please. <laughs> Compliments only, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also, I... give us a rate us and review us. <laughs> yeah, all the rest yeah, of us. You know yourself. <laughs> Whatever you have yourself. Yeah. Um, but it has been a wonder entertaining you for the last hour of time please go and enjoy the rest of whatever is happening in your day now playing us out don't do it because I'm afraid you're going to make me break dry jam oh listen playing us out right now (laughs) it is the queen of January music it is Ariana Grande yes and on Curiosity